You're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads agency. When you use a automated bidding strategy, it's about the person. When you use manual bidding strategy, it's about the placement. So what you're doing with manual CPC and broad search is, hey, no matter how irrelevant these people are, maybe 38 cents for every single one of them. And if there's no people relevant there, your activity does not change from day to day. It still says, yeah, I still didn't get a conversion, but that's not what you asked. You asked me to pay 38 cents for all this irrelevant traffic. I paid 38 cents, why are you complaining? But you can negative keyword if you want to, just use it very sparingly because it's something that is going to, is gonna damage positive keywords. And that's what's really interesting is I've done everything you possibly had. I was close, I said 440 is 435. Every single type of non-search term that showed up that got a conversion, I added in here and found out that was dumb. It was a big learning experience for me. Here's what I mean by this. It's super, super, super important. We have another question in the chat. It says, if we have many ad groups in an account and we use broad, any ad group can trigger similar search terms. So maybe the keywords will complete each other. Will it be okay? Yes. Just know that you might just have Pareto's 80-20 rule where 80% of the keywords are just not going to run well or sometimes at all. There's actually a, a two-part discussion to this. So I'm glad that whoever you are, I'm glad you asked this. In this time period of January, 2021 to yesterday, I've been running the majority of my sales off of one, pretty much one ad group and one set of keywords. So what's interesting is the conversions here, I'll just do conversion value. We can see, I'll do cost, that's good. Cost and conversion value, that'll give you a good visual. This is one year after they went, we're on Shark Tank. So first summer after Shark Tank, I'm never gonna compete with that. And we didn't even set our targets to compete with, hey, did we get another national TV spot this year? But you'll notice that the conversion value, 167,000, 182,000. Give it a whole off season, Christmas, on season again, conversion value 191. June to, to June, 182, 191. I made more money this year. Now it cost me more, but I pushed it. I did this with one ad group, 15 keywords. I tested 440. The same 15 one. <laughs> and that's what's really interesting is I've done everything you possibly imagine. I was close. I said 440 is 435. Every single type of non-brand search term that showed up that got a conversion, I added in here and found out that was dumb. It was a big learning experience for me. Here's what I mean by this. It's super, super, super important. The reason why this hanging patio chair withstand, the reason why this is a keyword that I added was because that was a search term that came in that matched to hammock and one. I was like, awesome. Why don't I add that as a, as a keyword that failed? Oversized hammock. Search, I still get those search terms. I still get oversized hammock search terms that still win to this day. When I tried it as a keyword, I don't remember exactly when, failed. For whatever reason, the keywords that we were getting as search terms, the keywords that we're getting as search terms, when those search terms were added as a keyword in broad, they were ignored. And then the keyword that didn't match that search term kept matching to that search term in my ads and kept winning. So it was really, really interesting is I ended up just like wasting a whole bunch of money here and there with low clicks and low volume because all of these keywords were also being in phrase match. My brand wouldn't show up. And that was all year is because my keyword that was matching was of hammock just kept doing it.
So my brand name and phrase match would not match my brand name, but my broad match that wasn't the keyword would match to my brand name and win. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. So what we found is that these 15 keywords, I can't move away from, I can't add new ad groups, I can't negative keyword, I can't keyword sculpt, and it's going to just run really, really well. So I just built five other campaigns on, alongside of it. But that was a really good learning point is if I ran Skag's impossible, keyword sculpting is possible, multiple ad groups will run, but you're going to find out that one keyword that is having good performance is matching to a search term that is matching another keyword in another ad group that now is not running. It's a weird paradigm. So when you run broad, one campaign, one ad group, if it works, it works well, you can spend $80,000 on 15 broad keywords that give you $2 million in results. It's just going to run like that. So. All right, great. Thank you, John. We still have pending that thing about the geographical area. Do you want yes. to touch base yes. right now? Yes, perfect. The question says, does it mean that this strategy, the bidding broad match with TCPA works best when used in a small geographical area? Yes, I wouldn't do TCPA, but yes, small geographical areas, it does work really well. Because remember when you think about it, one of the things you're going to need to have is high amount of inbound search volume. If you don't have a high amount of inbound search volume, this doesn't work. The only way to do that is with broad, especially if you're talking about a small geography. This is not a glitch. I'm interrupting the video you're watching because I need to remind you that I'm always looking for people to join our team. So if you're passionate about Google Ads and you want to work with the best Google Ads agency on the planet, please go to solate.com forward slash apply. Speaking of working with the best Google Ads agency on the planet, if you're having trouble with Google Ads and you want professional help, that's what we do. You can go to solate.com, that's S-O-L-8.com, to apply for your free, no obligation action plan. And if I've given you any level of value at all, maybe think about giving me a thumbs up and subscribing to our channel. That's how we juice the YouTube algorithm so they actually know that I know what I'm talking about. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or confessions, hit me below in the comments. And now, back to your regularly scheduled program. I'll just ask straight up. Hello, John. What's up, man? All right. You talk about regional. So mm -hmm. I've got someone regional to about 12 counties, Northern California, very rural. And Gabby and Mike and I have been talking about it. The challenge is they're for people with really slow internet to get better internet. They want to reach people online who have trouble being online. <laughs> about how we can help them. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, some of them, they're going to be searching on their phone because they don't have that type of situation. But my question is on that regional, does it have to drill down further from the Yes, I mean, because it really is. It is a footprint. And mm. five blocks outside the footprint, that doesn't work. Because what they don't want to do is have a negative response in that, hey, come on over, it's great. And then they come over and you're like, yeah, we don't sell to your situation. And some of what you were talking about earlier, where like the prefab buildings in Arizona, if you ran into where people like, I really want this. Yeah, you can't have it. Yeah. So it's, it's an open-ended question of, both regional and then service not available if it goes, creeps outside that region, even within that region. Yeah, so Google is going to creep outside their region just by default because Google is going to essentially say people in or frequently in. That's as close as we can get. Okay. So if they travel from the outside and go to the inside, yes. But the way that we would stop those users from reaching through the form is by having a selector switch that says, what zip code are you in? And then they can even select that. If they select and two things, and it takes a little bit of development, but it's not difficult. If they select a zip code that is outside of the area, it goes to a page that says, so sorry, we don't service you. 
that thank you page is not counted as a lead and those leads don't go to the user. But they select one that goes to a different page and says, yes, you're actually services available and here's how to get started and schedule your time, blah, blah, blah. That lead will pass through to their CRM. Plus we can see it inside of Google as it's conversion, which Google right. will start to optimize towards. So there's a digital restriction we can put on that that will help them only see leads that are viable and also only target people that are viable that will give a feedback loop back to Google. It's not perfect, but no digital marketing is. I mean, without literally going door to door or mailers or carrier pigeon, we're not going to reach those people. Now the online thing, if they're having trouble getting online, that's hard. If they already have some sort of small internet access, we can reach them anywhere in the digital landscape. Display covers 90% of the world who have internet access though. And if their internet access is, as long as they can get to the internet, even if it's slow and spotty, we can reach them. But yes, it might be slow and spotty. All right. Only because... Real world example, we're going to have to deal with it in about six weeks. So thank you. Sounds good. Okay. Thank you. Cool. Is looking at search terms and keywords relevant for both e-commerce and lead gen? E-commerce less often because you can have a search term that doesn't look right, but if they buy, who cares? It's more about the person that is trying to buy rather than what search term that they use that time. Also, if you're using a attribution model that's first click, it may have been the irrelevant point in their journey that they found out about you. If it's last click, it could be the last thing that they Googled and finally said, hey, I just can't find out what I'm looking for, but this is sufficient. So you have to think about the attribution model you're using inside of the account that's going to give you the feedback about where that person converted. Now, if you have a lot of spend to an irrelevant search term and no sales, then yes, you can negative. Just know that negative is going to go broad, but it's something Google will start to push away on its own. It says, hey, we keep spending it here and I'm not maximizing my conversions because conversions are coming in here, it'll actually whittle itself off of that keyword without you having to negative it. That's the beauty of it running broad. But you can negative keyword if you want to just use it very sparingly because it's something that is going to damage positive keywords. Now for lead generation is pure lead quality. Again, for the same reasons. What path in the journey are you tracking? And are you going to make decisions off of one person's journey that was probably off from the start or maybe found out that there's a better solution to what they were looking for? So if you look and say, hey, this is a slightly irrelevant conversion, but the lead is good, keep going. Because if you exclude that keyword or that search term, you're possibly taking a chunk of people that Google has knowledge about out and throwing it out the window. All right. Thanks, John. Regina had her hand up. Do you want to go ahead, Regina? Hi. So it sounds like what you're talking about is broad automation. So correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. Yeah. Okay. So I remember there was this huge push for broad automation like a few months ago, or maybe it was late last year. And that and broad automation is great. And the company, I'm just trying to learn from history here because what happened was the con- company started just using broad automation always because it's a lot easier than using exact match in manual CPC or phrase match in manual, whatever. So then we started realizing, oh, if it's a new search campaign, it has no history and your budget's only like 10K, um, it really doesn't work right away with broad match, broad automation. Like we really need to do the hard work and comb through some of these keywords ourselves because it could take a year for the algorithm to figure it out and hemorrhage money in the meantime. So I just want to make sure that we're talking about when to use this and when not to use this so that everyone doesn't just start using it again and we have that same problem. Yeah. And then what's interesting is that kind of goes back to the point where there has to be high volume and high amount of activity. If we say, hey, we have a 10K per month budget and we have these other six campaigns like shopping and dynamic marketing and YouTube that are like a good focus, you're not going to have enough money left over inside of Pure Broad to get the, the cardinal rule of high volume. 
you, you purposely said, hey, this campaign needs a lot of high volume. It needs time. And what I think I was saying is like two to three weeks. So high spend, high volume, and then see high activity. This will work forever. High volume, you have to have a high budget. High amount of activity needs to be a massive amount of inbound search volume. And then the high activity, if there's no conversions for weeks and weeks and weeks, then you shut it off. So what I'm saying is this isn't a solve, but it's a good test. So a person that has a well-established industry like debt consolidation or buildings to a large geographical region, i.e. state or country, and there is a high amount of that inbound traffic, this will pick and choose and get better over time with where that's working. But if we say, hey, it's kind of an odd service offering, there's not a lot of search traffic, we have low budgets, that goes against what broad needs. So for example, one client I shared that broad worked well and it was able to cut its own cost per conversion in half without it being touched was in Hong Kong for people looking for gyms. That's beautiful. That's perfect. That's exactly what I want. High populated area, established industry, a lot of inbound search traffic. I saw activity come in day one. Perfect. That's the card rules. But by giving it too low a budget, we're killing our high volume, high activity kind of rule. Okay. Just one more in the chat. It says, does the broad match type perform well with manual CPC for low volume keywords? I have not seen that yet. That was one thing is I've never been able to make manual and broad work because the reason why broad works is because when you use a automated bidding strategy, it's about the person. When you use manual bidding strategy, it's about the placement. So what you're doing with manual CPC and broad search is, hey, no matter how irrelevant these people are, maybe 38 cents for every single one of them. And if there's no people relevant there, your activity does not change from day to day. It still says, yeah, I still didn't get a conversion, but that's not what you asked. You asked me to pay 38 cents for all this irrelevant traffic. I paid 38 cents. Why are you complaining? When you say maximize conversions, it says, okay, well, we tried that keyword, didn't work. I'm not maximizing conversions. Let's try a different keyword. Ah, I see conversions there. Keep bidding there. Where else can we go? So it learns by the bidding strategy of what you're asking me to do. Find everybody that's alive on Tuesday that's going to convert. Okay, well, Broad is going to find everyone that's alive on Tuesday and get you either conversions for the most amount of conversions you can have for your budget or not paying over what you need to for that conversion, which is TCPA. We're going to be talking about bidding strategies and how they affect every campaign type. And I want everyone to develop a deep understanding of how Google uses these bidding strategies. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads Podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions8 at sol8.com. Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation. Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation, I said action plan. A bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's sol8.com, sol, the number eight, dot com.